I want you to look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. It's not the first time I've read this passage, and it's not the first time you've heard it. But I believe today will be the first time you get something new from it. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his pass straight. This is John the Baptist preaching God's word, coming, coming into the town broken, rough, wearing some God knows what from how long he didn't take a shower. But John knew something that they didn't, and that's the prophecy, the expectation of what was going to happen before it did. My title or subject this morning is Expectant Christians. Expectant. Oh, they're expecting a new baby. Expectant Christians. Expectant. What are you expecting this morning, does anybody ever go to the grocery? Do we still do that? <laughs> we just, we ship it to our door, right? Shipped, what's the one Target does? Is that shipped? I don't know. There's like 18. Michelle's got them all on a spreadsheet, like doo, 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 doo. And uh, nobody goes to the grocery stores, but if you did, there's like different kind of parking spots. And has anybody ever seen the one expecting moms? And any dads out there that get annoyed, like, what about me? I have to be emotional support. Like, that's the same, right? That's the same as carrying the baby. It's a joke. It's not the same. I understand. You get your own parking spot. But, but the thing about the expectant mom's parking spot is it doesn't say mom's parking spot. Now, we believe in, we believe in birth at conception. But if you want to look at it like birth, pre-birth, it says expecting birthing moms, like pregnant. You're pregnant, the baby's not here, the baby's not out in the world yet, it hasn't happened yet, but everybody sees the sign, they know what it's for, right? It's not like if the parking spot's empty, they go, I don't understand what this is for, because the sign is there, and everybody knows, according to the sign, what is bound to happen when the right person pulls in it, they know what that is, right? It's an expectant mother, soon to be mom. And I kind of wonder if, if we treated our Christian life with the same kind of faith we had in the parking sign, I mean, has anybody ever doubted that that's what it's for? Has anybody ever seen that and go, well, maybe it's really for Chihuahua owners. If you got two Chihuahua owners, Nolani, you can park there. Like, does anybody ever question the sign? No, right? Why would we question? It's like any, any driving sign for that matter. Would we question a stop sign? I'm not saying run it on purpose done that. Uh, I'm saying if it says stop, we know it means not green, not maybe stop. It means stop. If we see a red light at a stoplight and it, it's red, we know if we don't do what? We are going to die. Intersection. If we see yellow, it means caution. If we see green, it means go. If we see yellow, some of us, it means hit the gas. <laughs> if we see red, some of us means hit the gas. But there's no doubt in our cultural faith. So what if we were expectant in a way with what God can do? Oh, well, yeah, we're expecting God to open up the heavens. Like, for real, what if we were expecting something special that God would deliver if we had the same kind of faith in him that we do in the expecting mom sign at Deerberg's or Schnucks? 
I quit going to Deerberg's. I go to Schnucks. Lake St. Louis. The best fillets in town if you need some good fillets. Better than any meat market. The fillets, Schnucks. Just talk to the butcher. I made fun of the butcher once that I never buy steak from a grocery store. And then he explained to me the history of their butchering process and why their steaks are so good. And I felt really stupid. And I've never left buying steaks from him since. What about being a Christian? As a believer, we are taught to expect the promises of God over our life to manifest themselves. And and we know that we can walk by faith and not by sight till we hit something. We're like superheroes, at least that's how I think of it. Walking this earth for Jesus, you know, like when you're a kid playing in the pews and mom's got the clip-on tie and you pull that thing open, bam, Superman jammies. Y'all didn't do that? Nicole, no? Okay, clip-on ties, I mean, first of all, it's a tie, but at least if it was a clip-on, you could bam, bam, with a Hot Wheel in your hand. Orange pews, ew. Anyway, it was cool back then, right, Don? A little new life flashback I just had there. But I always thought of being a Christian with the Holy Spirit, like a, a superhero for God. And, but, but the problem is, what happens when the certainty of God's actions, the certainty of what we believe he will do, starts to feel uncertain? Well, three years in, the church would look like this. Boom, boom, boom. But it doesn't. Or three years in, my marriage would look like this. Boom, boom, boom. Didn't last that long. But three years in, I'd be making this amount of money and I have this kind of house. Boom, boom, boom. Whoa, well, I mean, it's maybe I have debt. Or, like, that's not the kind of car. I thought I'd have the Audi M8, uh, the Audi A8 or whatever, M8, R8. I thought I'd have the R8 because that's what a, a father would have in marriage. It's an Audi R8. No, I got a minivan. I had a minivan. That's not what I thought. My expectation was a little bit different. But what if my situation, what if your situation doesn't match what you are expecting from God or expected? And then what happens, 2020, God will start, you start questioning God. Like, you know, the, like the depression's been up in 2020. And just thank you, 2021. But I'm just saying that's the best remedy to fix 2020 is to be out of it and into 2021. So, so we're not going to be depressed no more. But what happens in those seasons of isolation like we've all been in is we start questioning and saying, God, are you really there? Or is this really just a pipe dream? God, are you really there? Or is it just wishful thinking? And you know the enemy will use each other to rip each other apart. When you're vulnerable like that, he'll use the ones closest to you. Who's your spouse? He'll use your mom or dad, your cousin. He'll use anybody, your friends, to tell you how unrealistic you are. Kind of like Job. When you're weak, the enemy is like a vulture, and he wants to amplify any doubt you have so that isolative moments, we can really question the expectation we had with God, especially when there's suffering. Maybe we got sick this past year. Why would I suffer in this situation when I trusted God completely for his protection? My question to you this morning is, is your faith dependent on your expectation or God's. You should have an expectation, but the question is, is it yours or his? Maybe it's a little both. Maybe it's yours one day and his the next. And it depends what kind of mood I'm in if I really want to, you know? Those Cheetos are good when they're in bulk in the thing at like 11 o'clock or the, uh, 
the Cheeto popcorn she's been buying. Like, is that, is that God's will? No, that's the devil. But what do I do? I eat it late at night, and I, I, burn, I add some calories that aren't needed. I got enough of those. And see, see, when you get weak, you compromise. When you get tired, you compromise. When you get doubtful, you compromise. And then guess what? They all work together against you. That's why you have to have a sound mind, the Bible says, to be able to recognize in the moment the transformation backwards you could be taking back into your own will. You're no longer on fire for God in this moment. I need to take me back to that moment. So is your faith dependent on your expectation or God's? And the thing about being a new Christian is we, we have a word, we call it zeal, the zeal of the Lord. It's like your charisma, your energy. We're excited. Like, the, the, you know, you've heard the word overzealous, okay? Overzealous, like they're just so over the top, like energy, energy, energy. And zeal is a good thing. But when it's emotional zeal, it's not the same. Because when it's only driven by emotion, it's not the same. So that means when, when the Red Sea uh, comes back together after you've been strolling through the middle and you're like, what do I do? All of a sudden I lose my zeal and I lose my faith. Because it's easier just to go back to the Cheetos. It's easier to go back to the Diet Coke. That was a while ago. Thank you, God. I've been in post-Diet Coke addiction for three years now. I'm okay to talk about it. Talking about it is the answer. Communicate the problem. I don't do the Diet Coke no more. I do the sparkling zero-calorie Pellegrino tastes like soda with no sugar. That's what it tastes like. It's this carbonation. You just make up in your mind what flavor you want it to be. But when you face a struggle that you're not used to being in, that's when you're going to get attacked because you haven't had to test your faith in the moment. So when you start doubting God and your zeal, I'm on on fire for the God. Throw me in. Throw me in, coach. Let me do anything I can for one seat church until it gets a little hard and my clock ran late and I just can't do anything anymore. I'm broken. You need a test. That emotional zeal has no substance if you can't support it with God's word. The zeal is the fruit of the strength. And if you take away the strength, the zeal is a vapor. There's nothing to it. And it will flatline when you fight a battle. It will flatline when you don't get what you expected. And when expectation becomes uncertain in your life, because it will go like this, just remember that God is still working. He's always working. Has anybody ever been on the roller coasters? Anybody? Not that, not the, oh, my kids are so, they're so nerdy robot. Like, not, not the digital tablet roller coaster games, like a real one. Anybody been on the Screaming Eagle? Wood? Remember the wood? The, Click, click, click. So the thing about the roller coaster, if you've not been on it, you're going off that, the, the, the track, and it sounds like it's going to break because it probably has already been broken, repaired 10 times if it's the roller coaster I remember. And um, you don't know what's coming over the top. So what do you do? You want to you like, get back, you want to undo the thing and run down the thing and get back to the part where they, you, know, you want to fall to your death and get back to your mommy because you just cleared the I'm tall enough line. Okay, and you want to get back to that, but you can't because now you're trapped. You got to face it. And the fear in facing it is because it's not what I expected. I don't really know what to expect because I can't see that far ahead. It's going like this. And so then I get up to the top, and all of a sudden I see, you know, all the things and the twists and everything. So I'm like, what did I get myself into? That's not what I expected. I thought it was going to be a nice mind train, just up and down, 
little log flume action. No, this is, this is twisty like the ninja. It's going to break your neck. It's going to do all these things. I didn't expect that. But how many went on the same roller coaster a few times? And once you've been on it once, wasn't so bad, was it? It got kind of like humorous, right? Like you started knowing in your mind where the turn was before the turn happened because you've seen it before like John. John says, John says, I know what's to come because I already know what was spoken. He didn't need to live off emotional zeal. He had foundation in his heart. And that's what motivated him to go even when it was challenging. John had zeal because he knew the prophecy, not because he had too much steroid medicine that kept him wired or had too many coffees at Starbucks. Someone once made a joke to me and said, said don't drink too much coffee this morning. But she didn't, she didn't really understand. It was a joke that the, that the coffee really wasn't my zeal. I just played it off like it was. The spirit of the Lord is what creates the energy because when you drink enough caffeine, it don't do anything anyway except keep you up at night. So it takes more than a vapor to keep you going. It takes real rooted foundation. And emotional zeal will only serve you when life is good. That's it. You only praise when you feel like praising. You only give thanks when you feel blessed. What happens when you feel like you're in hell and the worlds are closing around you? Will you praise then? Will you be a Stephen? Will you praise when the stones are hitting you and you're falling to your last breath and praise him anyway? That's what Stephen the apostle did, executed by, under the command of Saul, later to become Paul the apostle. He had Stephen stone, and Stephen praised him down to his last breath. Praise the Lord. Like, that's, that's some faith right there. I'd be like, I'm out of here. You want to fight back? I'll be going down swinging. I wouldn't be going down taking rocks in the face if I didn't have to. See, I don't have that kind of faith because I think I can take care of the difference myself. I think I can take care of the difference that when there's a little bit of a struggle, it's okay to compromise and go get the maidservant pregnant. It's okay to to jump around and compromise when it's not in your timeline. Like she's 100 years old, God, says Abraham. She can't get pregnant. She's too old, and so I'm going to go get the maidservant pregnant. And I'm not thinking about the repercussions that now my wife's going to actually be jealous because she is then going to get pregnant. And then she's like, you know, she is a woman, and it's normal that she's going to say, why why are you doing that even though I agreed to it? And you just compromised God's will, and you just wrecked our marriage, and now there's no trust in all these things. That's what we will do if we're working on an emotional zeal. We can look really good in church, but be total hot messes on Monday. You got to have foundation. You got to have foundation. Because sometimes heaven just isn't visible to us. It's not visible. You know, they say in Seattle, it'll go like 90 days without sun. I don't know how true that is. I know it's like a long time. And my kids, like, like, so they're getting rain, they're getting all these things. My kids, if it just, like, storms a little bit, they're freaking out in the mommy and daddy's room. And I understand they're little and stuff, but they don't know what's happened. They think it's like the end of the world when it rains. I think they really just want to sleep over. Now they know the hustle. They're hustling to sleep over. But, but the thing about my kids versus, like, the people of Seattle, because they have Starbucks and coffee there. The, no, really, the thing about Seattle is they've seen it before, and they know that even though I can't see the sun right now, I know the sun is coming back. And the same with, with John the Baptist. You know, John, as he, as he progressed through his ministry, he changed a little bit. You know, he was Jesus' cousin, okay? We talked about that at Christmas. You know, you know, he changed 
a little bit. Because later, if we jump to Luke chapter 7, verse 17 through 23 real quick, it says, it says, and the report about him went through all Judea and all the surrounding region. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. Hold up, let me tell you, John was about to beheaded, be beheaded. And had his head put on a platter. Because of what? Because he's preaching that gospel and proclaiming the name of the Lord and doing everything that the world says was offensive to them, not PC. So, so, so John a little bit gets a little weary here. And so he sends his, his disciples. You're a disciple of though you follow. When they were baptized under the name of John, it was under his baptism, under repentance. We were baptized. I'm just rambling theology here. When we were baptized in the name of Jesus, we are now a follower of Jesus. So John's disciples, because they followed John unto repentance and his teaching of repentance, went to Jesus. All that to give you context here. Verse 19 says, and John, calling two of his disciples of him, sent them to Jesus saying, this is crazy. This is what head games will do to you. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Okay, now wait a second. John was cousins with Jesus. John leaped in his mother's, in Elizabeth's womb, when Mary entered the room, before she, when she spoke, he leaped. Like John the baby, and John the one who came into the wilderness in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And all of a sudden he says, are you him? Man, that sounds like church people. Like how many times have I preached that? And you're saying what? Are you listening? <laughs> Pastor Rant, it's a joke. I don't remember my own my own sermons. I have to go watch them again like 18 times. But um, isn't it funny how the most dedicated man of God started questioning? You know why? Because he was about to be beheaded. He's like, well, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna go all in for Jesus, I want to at least make sure I'm not like making any mistakes. Like you're really the Messiah. You are the coming one. He says. He says. Uh, I just lost my note. He says. Sorry. And John, calling two of his disciples, sent to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And when the man had come to them, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another Messiah? That's, that's wacky. That's crazy. He is real. The devil is really twisting his logic. And that very hour, he cured many infirmities. So what Jesus did is he showed them some things. His talk is cheap. Jesus showed them with what? His actions, what he was, who he was. He says that very hour he cured many infirmities, weak, uh, weaknesses, afflictions, evil spirits, and to many he gave sight that were blind. He healed some people. He healed some blindness. He says, who do you think I am? What else do I got to do, John? You're my blood, half, you know, my half cousin by blood, and you're really saying this? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have, got, have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended by me. So it's okay when you struggle with doubt for a moment. But what this is saying here is no matter how many times you trip, you're supposed to go back to God's word and remember what he did, what he said, the signs and wonders that he did, that even John the Baptist was in the same position we have been in. And he was as faithful as it gets. So we're not asking for perfection. God is saying, stay with me. Stick with me. Because when heaven's not visible, you're going to feel like I left you. But the sun... S-O-N is coming back around in due 
season. We had the best volunteer group today we've had since March. It looked like March. Some of you don't know because you weren't even here. You don't know yet. That's okay. But we, we, we felt deflated for a bit because we had our expectation here, and then we see things go down here. Well, today it was really cool. We can praise about this. Like, I don't know if you remember, guys remember how to praise anymore. Like, like everybody's falling asleep in their jammies from a year of being jamming church, and so now we gotta re, we got to revive our dry bones and, and awake our spirits. And remember that God just provided a volunteer unifier that was as big as any of them. I mean, there was 20-something people. That's just what that is, is that's we get our volunteers together and kind of remember the mission, and we talk, and that thing's been down to, like, me, Michelle, and Vincent before, or Cameron and Vincent playing, playing like, a battleship game or something. Like, it could be anything at one point. It got so low, but now, like, it looked like we remember, and so God says, don't forget the sun is coming back, that when you think heaven is not visible, the sun is coming back around, and you just have to endure. You know what it says? You know what it says about John? Is that he went through with it. He died. He was murdered. Well, that don't sound good. He questioned, he readjusted, and he said, this is the mission. So be it. Amen. So be it. When we amen, we're saying, so be it. This is it. Yes, sir. That's what we're saying to the word. Amen. So be it. And that's what he did. And I hate, I hate that that had to happen, but that was part of the journey to get us the gospel. John knew, even when he wavered, he endured. So this January that we're in, or let's get 2020 out. I keep saying I'm not going to talk about it, so i got to quit talking about it. But see, it's in in all our minds because we've been living that. Let's get it out. And remember that when our expectations become uncertain, don't forget that God is still working. He's still doing something. Nobody's responding. Nobody's watching. Nobody cares. Give me some cheese and violin with that music, Pastor. Like, I could play myself a violin if I wanted to, and then I got to slap myself in my closet and say, what are you doing? This isn't about you and how you feel. And if you work off that, you are going to flatline in your spirit. And so I say, oh, yeah, if John can do it, I can do it. And so he's saying to you today, oh, yeah, if, you, if I can do it, you can do it. And so when you feel that lack of zeal and you feel that disappointment and it's just not as good as you thought it should be, remember that God says, I'm coming back in the end. It doesn't need to look like how you think. Expectation is expected. It's expected to have an expectation. But we expect that God will, not how. That's the problem. It's been the problem since the Israelites. It was the problem with John the Baptist. It was the problem with Peter. It's been the problem with all of us is that we have to quit expecting how he will according to what we want and our expectation of ourselves, and just know that he will. Man, it's so much easier. That will eliminate some gray hairs, even if you're taking the catalase supplement to reduce the toxic hydrogen peroxide levels. Is this weird that I just say all that? You know they say gray hair. I'm really confusing some people. They say gray hair is from too much uh, hydrogen peroxide, hydrogen in your body. So you take catalase. It's what produces the color and helps reduce the gray hair as you become gray like me. So, So I'm just saying some of those gray hairs could be avoided if I just say, hey, chill. 
Look, look in the mirror. When you go home today, look in your phones right now. Just everybody get a phone out. No, yours on your stand. Just somebody get your phone out. Look in the phone just for a second. Put it on selfie mode. Really, mask on and everything. It's fine. Actually, pull your mask down for your phone and just look in the phone, look in the camera, and just say, chill. Just chill out. It's like me talking to my kids. Would you just chill out as I got the strangle? I mean, as I say, chill out. Just chill. God says, I've got this. I've got this. I want you to expect big things from me, but quit trying to tell me how to do my job, says the Lord. Because I'm going to do it better than the way you can orchestrate it anyway. I'm going to change your heart in ways you didn't think was changing. When you started this thing, you thought you didn't want to be around the people. You just wanted to preach the word. Now you love the people. I didn't plan on that, Vincent. I was going to be like the Scrooge pastor. <laughs> I'll just come out there and preach the message, and then I'll just get away from the people because I'm not a social person. Really, I'm not. Like, I, I, I work in my cave. And, and then I started, like, loving people, and I saw Jen Hill change, and I saw Nate change, and I saw people, and I started, like, Vincent, and I started loving people. And Vincent came. I was like, oh, man, my childhood, like, I see, like, my, I see bits of my life working back in the picture. And God's saying, I'm changing you the way you didn't expect. God does that to us all. I use myself to hope, encourage you, because we all fight that battle. And my fear shall subside when I know that God is holding me and doing things in my life in good times and in what I perceive as bad times. Maybe that bad time is actually a blessing. Maybe it's the best thing that God could have ever done to get your focus back, because you were driving the ship. And if God can drive your ship, he can change your life. But if you keep making him ride aboard as passenger, nothing will change. So it's good to be expecting. It's expected. If y'all could stand this morning. I feel it in my spirit that, and I don't, I don't feel a lot of things in my spirit and, and prophetically speak and hyper-spiritualize things. I'm, I'm a real, like, like, neutral kind of pastor in that way. But when I feel something, I know it's real because I don't feel it all the time. And so when something's elevated, I don't feel it all the time. And God goes, do I have your attention now? You know, I'm like ADD all over the place. He says, yes, Lord, you do. And I can just feel that we're just like, we're like a floodgate right now. We are like a floodgate. Like we have things happening under the root right now that it's just going to pop this floodgate. And we're going to see people we've never seen. We're going to see people we've seen act different. Oh, Lord, God, there is a Lord. Instead of them being the same for, you know, as long as you've known them, we're going to see them actually change for the better. And that's going to that's gonna stir the community. And that's what's going to magnify his name in a way that people of this community are starving for. And that is the mission of One Seed Church. So remember, in your mental diary here, when expectations become uncertain, don't forget that God is always still working for your greater good, for your behalf, for his will. So don't be afraid to expect great things from God. They take time, man, a long time sometimes, longer than you expected. 
And you should expect that God wants to bless your life and you can quit saying that I don't have it good enough to compete with them because God says, I'll make up the difference. I'm a single mom. I don't make enough money. I can't, I don't, I can't make the schedule. This work is always a catch. When it rains, it pours. And God said, I'm going to pour my living water all throughout your life if you just fully expect that I have your best interest. And that's it. That's it. Don't, don't worry about how. I will. John, don't worry. I got to really do some more blind, heal some more blind people, John, after you've known me since conception. Like, I got to still do that for you, John. Don't worry. Because I love you, here's some more blind people healed. I'm going to keep affirming that I am who I say I am. I'm going to keep encouraging you and tell you that I have your best interest, says the Lord. Stick with me and never stop expecting. Let's pray. If everybody could bow their heads. And lift the hands to the heavens. God, we thank you for January 10th, 2021. We thank you for an opportunity to praise you together because there is no replacement for digital. There's no replacement for in-person community where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. And we can't gather when we're hundreds of miles apart. And it may feel the same, but it is not the same until we are in the same presence together and letting your spirit move in your house. And that is where we're going to prick hearts to change the soil that have never been changed to this point. They're starving for you, God. And we're going to bring it to you in 2021. We thank you now. Let us remember this week that when we're feeling doubt and we're fighting the depression that you are never going to not fulfill our expectations, but it's going to be how you see it. And that's all I need. I'm tired of trying to figure it out. And God, I bring it all to you and I give it all to you. And I stand on your word because if I don't stand on your word, I stand for nothing. And the vapor of my zeal is no good unless I'm standing on holy ground. And so I'm never going to forget what you said you would do when you came, when you told John that you will come one before me who is after me. You will do that for him. You will do that for me. So God, let me not worry about how it feels and remember what you said. And if the house of God could say in Jesus name, amen.